Hey everyone, this is another uh, the fight site preview for the UFC card. Pod. The full preview. The full preview. <laughs> yeah, the the not vivisection because we ripped it off, but don't have the energy to do this every week. Pod, you know, um, that thing. We, we just do it for the pay per views. We we do this because we're psychos of the site, and somebody's got to do this. Uh, to be um, fair, the to be fair, the vivisection guys are probably getting getting more money from this are, than, uh, that's than true. we do so that's true that's true so um anyways we got the ufc pay-per-view coming up this weekend which headlined by the fantastic lightweight main event between dustin poirier and charles Oliveira. that i think everyone is excited to see and if you're not you're a fascist bitch but <laughs> um otherwise the rest of this card, um, I think there's some cool things we're talking about, but the prelims themselves are pr- probably not the best. But um, it's definitely one of the better, I think, main cards that we've done. It's yeah, just I not mean, as good as it's not because, as good as the last two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, prelims, prelims are pretty solid. I mean, not great, like in name value, except for a few ones. But I think the matchmaking is is solid here, so we should mm-hmm. have fun, or at least at least if the fights are bad, they will be competitive. At the very least, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I mean, why why talk about so much about the prelims? We should just start from bottom to top, as we usually do. Yeah, and we're using the topology page as reference for those yeah. So this as usual. this might have some changes to the actual order of the bout uh, of the card, but but we're going from topology from bottom to top. So yeah, let's begin. Um, it's flyweight. The first fight, the opener is Priscilla Cachoeira versus Gillian Robertson. Um, so kind of interesting. I mean, Gillian Robertson, obviously the fighter with more upside here, um, the more talented fighter, the better school fighter. But Cachoeira has attributes, and she's dangerous. I mean, she was kind of the laughing stock of the MMA like world for a while after the the fight with Valentina and then she lost two more fights but but she's actually okay i mean she can hit hard and that's not very she's usual. a little she's a little static but you can tell she's pretty physical though she definitely yeah. can crack she's she's, she's not women. fast she's not fast but she can crack and 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 once she has the opponent hurt she can use the threat of the of the strikes to set up other strikes so if she if she gets some ground, she gets some momentum going, she can get pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, against Jillian Robertson, like Robertson's whole shtick, though, is like she aggressively pursues those scrambles and submissions. Like you can kind of tell she has a decent read on reactive shots, though. The one thing that is a concern here is, like we said, Kashawara is kind of physical. And I've seen Robertson kind of out muscled if she's not the more physical person. So that's the one asterisk here, I think, for her. Yeah, Cachoeira, Cachoeira can defend takedowns if she's aware. The, uh, her problem is that most, most of the time she's not very aware about takedowns. No. So she can be surprised easily by reactive takedowns. Something yeah, that that's, Robertson, that's... Robertson is pretty solid about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like just for that reason, I kind of have to pick Robertson. But you can kind of see Cachoeira has like some ways into this. Yeah, especially because Robertson has like some solid ideas about striking but she's she's still not very fluid about it 
Uh, Kashira obviously is the more natural striker, and, and actually she's kind of she's kind of de decent defensively on the ground. So I'm not expecting Robertson to to tap her very easily. Robertson is a Robertson is a, if anything else. Yeah, she's a good submission artist, and another than that, she's she's very solid front opposition. So I'm not expecting Kashira to sweep her or anything. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going in Robertson by decision on this one, but likewise. But yeah, but keep an eye on Cachoeira because if she gets some momentum going, this this could this could get ugly for Robertson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our next one is at bantamweight, uh, a really really cool fighter to watch, Randy Costa versus Tony Kelly. Um, bantamweight. Uh, Randy Costa last seen against Adrian Yanez, and I don't know if any of you have rewatched that fight, but it's pretty darn good. Costa really, good. yeah, Costa really makes Yanez work for that victory. Like, you can tell, like, Costa's really educated with his setups and his ideas with rhythm, especially behind his jab, which is what sets everything up, up, including, like, the high kicks, the rhythm, the right hands, etc. I think the problem he had against Yanez is he kind of showed his hand too early and kind of got too aggressive for his own good. So once Yanez started firing back at the same time, and started reading the timing on the counters, it kind of went downhill for Costa. Yeah, I think he also set up a, a pace he can a pace he can maintain. Mm -hmm. uh, but but he showed some some pretty promising stuff. I mean the, the super active jab, the high kicks to 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 stop Giants from using his usual head movement. It was all cool stuff. He was he was pairing attacks super well. I think he could he could be successful using a more a more pared down version of that style. Mm -hmm. um, Kelly, on the other hand, he's he's very solid too. He's also super tall for the division and long. Um, he should be the physically stronger fighter. I think he's a. Um, they're both both the same the same height, but I expect Kelly to be the bigger man in the cage. Um, yeah, I Kelly, didn't get I, I, I yeah. didn't get a get a lot of looks on Kelly, so I'll let you take him for the most part. My main thing is, like, I think he kind of surprises guys, especially if they're sloppy on entry. And he's pretty opportunistic in looking for his opportunities on the ground. But he, he's probably, again, he's probably the less skilled fighter, but he's probably the more physical guy here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think he's he's very skilled both on the ground and on the feet, but he doesn't have the process that Costa has, I, I would I would say. Like Costa, Costa's games make more sense. Kelly is more the kind of guy to to work with what they're giving him. So, but he's very dangerous on the ground, and he can he can spot openings on the feet. Um, it would be interesting to see if Costa can can go long in this fight without tiring because that has been a problem for him. I mean, his career has been has been full of super quick fights where he finished guys. Uh, Kelly seems to be super tough, so I'm not expecting him to go out easily. Um, I like Costa more, but I've seen Kelly in worse with bigger fighters, with guys that can do everything. And I'm not sure if Costa can endure the the last rounds. Um, I'm picking Kelly by decision, but, but I'm hoping for a Costa win on this one. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I, I saw a few too many. I haven't watched Kelly enough to really qualify this. I do feel like what I did see, though, was like um, um, I, I kind of feel like Costa, if he doesn't tire himself out and at the very least is able to control the fight early, 
but he could still pretty much get to Kelly at least enough. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take Costa, but with that asterisk you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very good fight. That it's a good will give us Will give us answers about both mm-hmm. guys, I think. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they, keep, a, keep an eye on this one. Yep, for sure. The, yeah, this is one of the good fights on the card. Uh, the next fight, though, is um, a featherweight fight between the greatest defensive fighter at 145 pounds, Ryan Hall, versus a guy named Derek Minner. What can we say about these two? Um, so, I mean, we all know what Ryan Hall deal is. He, he keeps a long distance where, from which he tries to throw, like, kicks. And if you try closing in on him, he'll die for a leg, even with either with an imaginary roll or a single leg attempt that he will transition into a leg lock. And then it's the game is all about the leg locks. He's very solid from there. He can he he's not only about the instant submission, he he's also a very good control grappler from those positions. That is something weird. That's 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 something that usually throws guys off because they're not used to that. I mean, usually guys goes for leg locks, and if you escape, you're out. Uh, with Hall, that's not the case. He has a whole, a whole system to keep you in the ground, going for the legs or untangles. So, so yeah, we we know what Hall is about. Uh, Miner is also a grappler, so I think that's why they made this fight. Um, he's very physical. He's hard on the feet. Um, he should be the the better striker of the two conventionally, but Hall usually throws throws people off with his weird style. Um, mm-hmm. Miner is uh, the better wrestler of the two as well. He he lands um, dangerous ground pound, so that should be of concern if she does if he doesn't shy away from the from the ground. Yeah, and Hall, sh- Hall kind of showed against Taporia that he doesn't really deal well with ground and pound too much, correct? Yeah, if I, the thing if is I that, that people usually don't don't address that because they are so scared of the of the leg looks. Um, mm-hmm. The Miner should be able to replicate a bit of what Topuria did. So it, this fight should be interesting. It's like mm-hmm. it's like an opportunity for Hall to do the Topuria fight again, but with with a lesser athlete, with a more sure. forgiving with a more yeah. forgiving matchup. But but a lot of the same challenges are there. I yeah. think. Yeah, Miner being a fast starter for one thing is kind of a worry and Hall still kind of has like that weird karate ring craft problem yeah on the outside and that's kind of an issue if Miner's like the better fighter on the feet if, if Miner goes forward and can can keep safe from the leg locks he could easily like land some hard ground upon Hall the other thing is that Hall has been held down on the ground before by fighters mm-hmm. I mean that's that's how he lost on the on the ultimate fighter uh the problem here is that Miner is very willing to scramble, and that's one thing that you don't want to do with Hall. Uh, he, I think he'll find the legs eventually if the fight goes long, and Miner's cardio is not great. So, yeah, I mean, this should be very interesting. I think Miner has a, a very good shot at winning, but I'm going Hall by submission on the first round. Yeah, I'll do the same. Yeah, as much as I don't want to. Because I don't like Ryan Hall, I, I feel like that's yeah, I think, safer pick. I think Miner has the tools and can win this one, but I think it's safer to pick Hall. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So next one is a flyweight bout between Alex Perez and Matt Schnell. A very and, good uh, one. <laughs> very good fight. Alex Perez um, is one of the most, or unfortunately, underrated fighters in this division. 
if not in all of, I think, the UFC, because he's really, really damn good. And that loss to Figueredo really didn't show how good he was. And he was still having success in that fight. Yes, he the... started he started really well. Like the thing about Perez is like he's one of the I, I think most cohesive I've seen in like the upper levels of the UFC at disguising level changes into punches and kicks and vice versa. Like he's very consistently good at that. Yeah. Like, and not only will he do that, he'll draw the responses and then catch you with a counter right back. Like, like his control of rhythm is excellent. He's very aggressive. Even like reads exchanges and like positionings really, really well. Like, um, and the only guys who have really gotten to him is Benavides, who kind of threw him off by like catching him on the exits where he's a little vulnerable and kind of like catching him with the blitzes. And Figueroa, who kind of just like, well, kind of just surprised him on the ground quite a also bit. Also, the thing with with Benavides is that he kind of out hustled him in the in the front catalog, and that's usually something. It, yeah. That's a place where most guys don't have an advantage over here, over him. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this should be interesting because Chanel is like a crafty boxer. Um, he can be very vulnerable at times, but he puts his hands together very well. He's very fast. Uh, he has mm-hmm. good footwork. But I think the the thing that will will make a difference um, over here will be uh, Perez's power on the feet. I think. Um, Chanel will probably be landing more consistently, but Perez will be landing the harder shots. On the ground should be interesting too, because Chanel very good off his back, but Perez is kind of a monster from top position. Yeah, my, my worry for Chanel on this one is like, I, I don't necessarily feel like, I, I kind of disagree. I don't really think from what I've seen that he'll outstrike Perez or give him like, I think his lead hand and like the left hook, especially is kind of his bread and butter to like give press some difficulties, but like, yeah. I, 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 that, that to me is kind of like still a problem because like, I still see Chanel as still a really, really reactive fighter more than a proactive fighter here. And I, I think like Perez is at his best when he's being more proactive on the feet. Yeah. And I think that's I, a big problem. I think if yeah. Chanel gets to get to look his best his best when he's moving forward behind his jab and being aggressive mm-hmm. but he usually don't doesn't have the mentality to do that he has to like get hyped before he can do that and i'm not sure if perez will allow will allow him to get there because yeah. he he'll be the more aggressive fighter from the from the moment the the bell rings so yeah um the other thing is that chanel is not the most durable and perez mm-hmm both on the on the feet and with ground pound seems very powerful um mm-hmm. i'm picking i'm picking perez by tko in the second round probably be a ground pound yeah i'll, I'll take perez by tko myself i'll go a little further third round okay that's cool but this is a another another good fight yeah alex perez is one of the more interesting fighters on this card to watch he's unfortunately really underrated i think yeah yeah all right next fight um, we are at women's flyweight. This is Erin Blankfield versus Miranda Maverick. Um, so yeah, um, this is one of the least competitive fights, in my opinion. I mean, Blankfield is good. Uh, he she's solid uh, all around, but I I'm not seeing it, man. I'm, I think Maverick is both more athletic and has a a better a better, better process. Game. 
better yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Blankfield has the skills to compete everywhere. Um, she can she can strike, she can wrestle, she can grapple, but I think she doesn't have like the connective tissue that Maverick does. And mm-hmm. Maverick probably the bigger and and stronger fighter of the two. Yeah, you can tell both of them are physical, but like if at the very least that physicality is even like you see that like probably the person who's way more processed and going forward is Maverick because she'll yeah. use her jab, she'll use the process, she'll look for that clinch to like put the attrition on her opponent like um whereas Blankfield like um she's she does start fast and she does push a high pace and is willing but it's like a lot of it kind of like was so effective because she could physically kind of overwhelm who she's fought so far yeah and And I'm probably probably not going to happen here I think Blankfield probably going to give Maverick some problems early because as you said she's a fast starter and she can keep the pace but I think she will run out of the, of ideas. Maverick has the, I mean the as I said the connective tissue to take the fight uh, different in different ways. She can get the clean. She she can go for takedowns. She can kick too. So I think the versatility for Maverick will be key on this one, and mm-hmm. her her physicality will make a difference here too. Yeah, I'll take Maverick by decision. Yeah, I'm taking Maverick by decision, but but this should be this should be fun. It should be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a good thing. Yeah. So next one is um a um middleweight matchup between Andre. I'm gonna butcher the name. Muniz? Is it Muniz? I think it's, I think it's Muniz. Yeah. Muniz versus Eric Anders. And um well, um, you were telling me beforehand that a lot of people think Muniz is gonna tap Anders. Why do you think that's not I mean the case? I mean, at least in topology, like um, there's like 84% of people picking Muniz and most of them are picking him by by submission. I think everyone is riding high on the on the Jacare submission. I wouldn't take that much out of that fight. I mean, Jacare has been looking very bad lately. Let's not forget he got knocked out from, from top position by... Kevin Holland. By Kevin Holland, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And one thing is that Eric Anders, I mean, he has this fame of being either the knockout puncher or the very boring fighter, but he's actually has very solid grappling. Mm-hmm. And and it's not like like going to the ground with Muniz has been uh, like a death sentence. Um, and his career, I mean, obviously he's a very good grappler. He has a lot of submissions, but a lot of people have been able to to hang around in the ground with him. And um, Anders is solid, and he's also a, a very solid defensive wrestler. He has been surprised a few times, but he has been pretty safe once on the ground. The mm-hmm. other thing that that seems relevant to this is that Jacare was having a lot of success on the feet against Muniz before they went to grapple. And Anders is not a very similar striker to Jacare, but he has a similar like kind of physicality to his game and he's not like half as shot as Jacare is he he still looks like himself so yeah I think Muniz will have problems um going for takedowns hanging in the clinch with Anders um Anders is not the most active but he's very powerful he can land Mm -hmm. hard shots and Muniz is not very good defensively he's pretty much out there to be yeah I think 
I think Munez has like solid timing on his reactive shots, and that might be his key to victory here. Yeah, for sure. Um, like Anders, Anders is kind of d- decent, but he's kind of your quintessential middleweight. But the thing is, he's definitely like w- very willing and physical. But the other thing about him that's kind of understated is that he's psychotically durable. And like yeah, Moon, yeah, sure. Moon, Munez isn't really, I, I think, the guy who's going to press up here. And the the thing that kind of makes me feel like Anders might really give Munez a lot of trouble if he doesn't get tapped on the ground um, is uh, one of Munez's fights. I think the guy's name was Fabinski. Yeah. Um, Fabinski had a lot of success, like kind of grinding Munez against the cage wall and the clinch. Yeah. And, and, and Anders, Anders is that. very strong. <laughs> Anders, Anders is really strong, strong. and will look for that clinch. Yeah. And the other thing is that Anders has like hard for days. I mean, if he survives early, you know, sometimes guy get, guys get very frustrated when they can't get the early submission. And Anders, I think one thing about having hard is also like staying calm when things aren't going your way. And I think um, it's very probable that Anders, even if he ends up uh, on the bottom, he will stay composed. He may be lose around, but I think he can he can come back to to grind a fight and even find the knockout because he's very hard. He's he's a very good athlete. It's just that his style is not very exciting, but mm-hmm. that doesn't yeah. mean he's he's not a solid fighter overall. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised if Munez taps him, but at the same time though, I, I think I'll take that gamble and pick Anders by decision. Yeah, I'm picking I take a gamble uh, picking Anders by knockout the first round. I think okay. Muniz, Muniz looks a very Muniz looks vulnerable on the feet to me. I mean mm-hmm. the the head is very static, and yeah. and if anything Anders when being pushed he can he can land solid counters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think uh, we wouldn't be surprised if Muniz taps him again. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah let, let's sure. let's let's take a risk. Let's pick Anders. Um, so next fight is another middleweight fight between Bruno Silva and Jordan Wright. And I'd like to congratulate Jordan Wright for having arguably now the worst nickname I've ever heard in MMA. I mean, it's a, it's a pop culture reference. I, I can't hate him for that. (laughs) I, 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 uh, pop culture or not, it's disgusting. All right. (laughs) Um, I wasn't able to get a lot of looks on Bruno Silva, to be honest. Like, um, um, he's pretty aggressive and like he attacks the body with flurries right i i got a few looks on like he's kind of static but he's very aggressive and it definitely seems like he can crack and he's really really active in the clinch yeah like he gets backed up really really easily so i can see silva kind of pressing him but i can also see right hurting silva the thing what the thing that's very slow about silva is his round pound it's very brutal if if Silva lands on top of Wright, it's pretty much game over in this one because Wright's not <laughs> like a grappler. And Bruno Silva really, really fucks people up from top position. Mm, other than that, I mean, Wright is dangerous on the feet. He's quick. Um, he has this karate style thingy, but he has a good eye for transitions. He can he can land knees on the clinch. Um, he can find elbows. He he's not he's not as passive at all as other karate stylists have been on the clinch so that's good for him but as you said Silva also very very active on the clinch has has the advantage that he doesn't mind if the fight goes to the ground so I think this is Silva's fight to lose I mean right is dangerous he can <laughs> he can surprise with the yeah. fast kick I, and I've seen I've seen, 
Yeah, and um, what was his name? Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Buckley. Yeah. He, yeah, really surprised um, right into a lot with his physicality, and I can kind of see Bruno Silva having success. Yeah, I think. I think this is an easy picking. I mean, right. I agree. Right yeah. has the the wild wow factor to to pull off mm-hmm. the offset, but I sh- I wouldn't count on that. It's no. very easy for me. I'm seeing a ground pound finish on the first round by Silva. Yeah, I agree. So moving on to the big guys, it's heavyweight, and it's like actually very heavy guys. <laughs> it's Augusto Sakai versus Tai Tuivasa. Um, so oh, kind of interesting, I, I think. Um, Sakai clearly the, the superior technical fighter. Um, he's he's very he's kind of boring, <laughs> I, I, I would say, but but he does some some interesting stuff. Um, he's he's super bread and butter with the punch combination into kicks. Uh, he punishes sexist with the leg kicks. The leg kicks are like the, the most important thing about his game. He's very good at it. Um, um, I don't know. I like how he puts uh, things together. The problem is that he always seems to fight in, like in first year. Uh, he doesn't get out of that. He he keeps a very steady pace. Uh, I would pace for heavyweight, but the problem is that he doesn't seem very dangerous. Uh, to Ivasa, on the other hand, is like the opposite of that. He's super dangerous but doesn't have the process to get to those big moments so he relies on finding like mistakes that the opponent does or something of the like yeah i I don't really have much else to add other than sakai disgusts me because he took out my boy marcin tabora and that is blasphemous and i hope tied to kills him um no so my thing is like i see some process with tuivasa um with kicks to like disrupt posture like he did that consistently against hardy but like yeah. they, y- you can still tell yeah i i agree with your assessment he's mostly the kind of guy who looks for that opportunity as opposed to like as opposed to like creating that opportunity i think sakai is one of the few guys in the division that is not very easy to kick to the legs too so and Tubasa likes to kick the legs a lot but he's also very front front foot heavy so i think if anyone's going to have more success here with leg kicks, it's probably going to be Sakai. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, 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 through gritted fucking teeth, I'll take Sakai by boring decision. Yeah, I think um, Sakai probably is not in the best place mentally because he's coming from two losses. So who knows how he, how he will look? But if if I gotta trust anyone on this fight, I'm probably picking Sakai by decision as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, having said that, next fight, I think we can agree, is one of the most interesting fights on the card. This one's on great, paper. Yeah, yeah uh, Bantamweight between contenders Pedro Munoz and Dominic Cruz. And um, I think the thing about this one, in a nutshell, is um, if this was a few years younger, Cruz might have feel like a more capable pick here. Um, the problem is I don't think Cruz's style lends itself well to his age and longevity, no matter how tough he is. So, yeah. Oh, it's kind of, cause he's what 36 now and Munoz is old himself, but like Cruz's style is still relies a lot upon his energy expenditure her inability to build through those takedown zones and unorthodoxy. Yeah. He, they're, and, they're close to the same, same age and same, same amount of fights pretty much. 
but Munoz has been looking pretty much like himself in the last few fights and Cruz has looked like clearly diminished. Yeah, it's like you kind of tell because of that Cruz is kind of like putting his doggedness out there more like like trying to intent behind his strikes like uh hitting a lot more or yeah Cruz is also like actively trying to hit harder nowadays and I think he feels pressure to hit harder because he's not the same guys the same guy he used to be yeah it's um and he's also fighting guys who um have like more answers to like his certain like ideas and stuff like Casey Kenny may be really really awkward as a striker himself but part of the reason that fight was so competitive it's just because like Cruz couldn't really get those takedowns easy. And so it kind of led to a bit of an ugly striking match. And plus Cruz still has that pocket weakness, even though like he's good enough to disguise those somewhat decently, unless you're a decent counter puncher. The problem here is um, against Munoz is that he's still looking for the same ideas and mix-ups, but he's facing someone who has a knack for like countering people in the pocket, even if they're dangerous. Like Munoz, Munoz will also constantly hack the leg every chance he gets and doesn't just throw it out there like he'll disguise it. And the other problem is like even if Cruz can get those takedowns, like Munoz is a hell of a scrambler and really yeah, really dangerous. I think I think if if we're very reductive about this, even if this was Cruz on his prime, Pedro Munoz at his very core has two things that are very very complicated for Cruz. And those are, mm-hmm. um, he's a super rapid like kicker, as you said. And the other one is that he's super solid defensively as a wrestler and as a grappler as well. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the takedowns won't, won't be that uh, safe for Cruz, I feel, on this one. And even if they are safe, Munoz is not easy to take down at all. Uh, Munoz pro- uh, Cruz probably can surprise him if he gets a good enough angle mm-hmm. to get like a free takedown but i'm not expecting munoz to get, be held yeah. down anytime soon by cruz yeah uh, the thing the thing that might help cruz here is if he's able to get munoz to chase him yeah um and if cruz if munoz is still pretty slow but he may suffer by being immortal and having that knack for the kicks mm-hmm. so if munoz can't get those kicks going um or those kicks are punished by Cruz's counters and Cruz can get his counters going because Cruz's like form might be questionable, but like he still has a good feel for them. Yeah. Um, he can probably make this a lot more competitive, but um, otherwise it's, this is a hard one for him, especially at this point in his career because his style was so much based upon his yeah. ability I think- to expend energy. I think this depends a lot of if Munoz has like a good game plan to land to land leg kicks early mm-hmm. and push push Dominic into into pocket fighting that it's not like dictated by his entries. If they get into 50-50s, uh, Munoz going to win those exchanges every time because yep. he's the tighter boxer and he punches very hard. Um, and he if he can layer layer the leg kicks on top of that, I think he's a bit, uh, an easy win for him. The problem yeah, is true. that the problem is that road to that is not very clear. I'm not sure how he'll win how he will approach that and other than that um if anyone is going to make like adjustments on this fight i expect that to be cruz yeah cruz might be a little janky in his own way but he's very very good at like picking up reads yeah and trying different things like um yeah i i think cruz is going to be a little too tough for munoz to maybe get a finish over 15 
I can see Munoz hurting him like once or twice, but yeah, yeah, or, I, I or think it's like crippling his legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like um, I I kind of have to take Munoz here just by default. By decision, yeah, I'm going but like I'm going Munoz by decision, but I also wouldn't be surprised if like Cruz found like an answer to Munoz game mm -hmm. and just yeah. like figure his out, figure his out. Yeah, I think this fight will be more competitive than maybe we've kind of like given it like a read for, but um, yeah, it kind of feels like it's hard to pick against Munoz here. Yeah, I think with how they've been looking lately um, and even Prime, I mean, I think that Prime, I would favor Cruz, but it depends a lot of him being <laughs> on his Prime and he's not anymore. So yeah, more, yeah. I'm leaning Munoz too by decision. Um, okay, so the next one, th this one for me is a really hard one because I don't really get these two fighters well, and I was unable to do as much tape as I wanted to. So Josh Emmett is returning a year and a half off of that hellacious fight with Burgos, and was it an ACL tear? I think, I think it was, it was a, both. Legs, it was something. Actually. It was yeah. something in his leg. It was something, but, but it was both. It was legs. bad. It was not just one. It was <laughs> yeah. bad. It was um, very bad, yeah. Yeah, he's coming off and he's fighting Dan Ige. And um, I, I'm going to confess, I don't really get Ige. Um, I kind of sort of have some reads on, um, let me, I apologize. Emmett? On Emmett, yeah. The, th the thing about Emmett is um, you kind of see Emmett kind of have this process around like building into like capitalizing upon opportunities opponents give him. And he's kind of improved with that with like his shifts and like, mix-ups behind his jab um yeah and he has a great read on like entries to kind of throw the opponent off and he's deceptively fast and crafty enough to catch them um Ige, Ige I don't really have a good read on because it's like it feels like Ige's big problem is he lacks the athleticism and cohesion to like put things together perfectly but you I mean, see the ideas he's very athletic but not enough to make this like um mm -hmm. all terrain go everywhere game that he wants mm -hmm. to pull off yeah at the very high up of the very highest level yeah um, you see you see the ideas are there with like his game plans though a like, very tactics ideas. oriented fighter i think uh he just takes mm -hmm. every exchange as an exchange i don't think he he sees the fight like as a whole picture thing Yeah. Um, he clearly he clearly does and he and his camp does some scouting because he comes with with ideas into fights but it's not it's not like he he comes with a strategies more like when he does this i'll do this instead he's pretty much that kind of fighter and mm -hmm. um, i think the problem for ig in this one i mean assuming emmet looks like himself because he might not <laughs> because he's coming from a super tough like injury. But assuming Emmett looks like Josh Emmett, uh, the problem for Ige is that he won't be the more physical fighter, and he pretty much likes to have that on his back pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I don't have a great read of Ige's style, and we don't know where Emmett kind of is, but It feels like this is just a tough fight for Ige if Emmett is like remotely the same he looked against Burgos. I mean, if if Emmett, yeah, I think Emmett showed showed his his best version yet against Burgos. Mm -hmm. If yeah, he looks it, like that fighter, I would have to pick him, but you never know. Uh, at mm -hmm. the same time, Ige yeah. is is one of the one of the few fighters in the division that can replicate what um, Stephens 
did against Emmett, like just force exchanges and figure out what his partner are and, and punishing with big power because if anything, Ige is a very big puncher. And he, what, worry, what worries Emmett me obviously about, is as well. Yeah, the thing that worried me the most about Ige though for this matchup is like, for all their problems, like TKZ and Cater really got to Ige with counters and like, that Burgos fight showed Emmett has a pretty good read on punishing things with counters. Yeah. So that's kind of where I kind of struggle to pick Ige here. Yeah, and Ige, and Ige does a lot of like blitzes on entry and stuff yeah. like that. And it's hard to to not see Emmett catching going in. The other thing is that Ige likes to rely on like surprise takedowns here and there to spice up things. And he's a very good grabber, but taking down Josh Emmett. Um, Tough man, <laughs> good good luck with that one. So, so yeah, I mean, but EJ is, if anything, he's incredibly tough. But Emmett's cardio looked great on the last fight against Burgos, so I'm not expecting him to tire. I'm picking Emmett by decision on this one. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I don't know what Emmett's gonna look like off of that Burgos fight, which was hellacious on both sides, and um, the layoff with that injury so who knows um, yeah and, and if he if he starts cold because of ring rust uh ej is the kind of guy to put you like immediately out because he starts very hot yeah i don't I don't really have a reason to pick against emmett though i guess on paper though otherwise so but should be should be very fun as long as yeah i i think i think ege will be too difficult to finish so emmett by decision yeah i'm picking emmett by decision as well Okay, so now we're on a bantamweight matchup between Sean O'Malley and Rowlin Paiva. I think it's Paiva. Yeah, it's um, Paiva. It's Howlian, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Sean O'Malley, aka McGregor Light, uh, versus Rowlin Paiva, whom I can't think of a good joke for. Um, I haven't been able to watch enough of Paiva in order to like qualify this. Um, I've noticed though Paiva like really surprised. Um, likes of Kaikara France many times with like transitions and working his guard. He's definitely a willing hitter, but like he can be caught out of position. Um, he kind of has like entry blitzes in the same way that Jan Blakovic kind of has. So uh, despite being pretty scrappy and like bringing transitions and pressure or to O'Malley here, O'Malley is still kind of that sniper. I like, I use the McGregor light comparison kind of to emphasize my dislike, but also to like, kind of make a point that O'Malley kind of does a lot of the same things McGregor does not as well but um you tell you can tell O'Malley has like reads with rhythm and like if you give him space to work his feints and like rhythm then he's going to capitalize on that the problem with O'Malley has always been like if you put pressure on him if you attack his legs and body consistently um he's not nearly as effective yeah um the thing with Paiva is that he used to be like this very long kicker at flyweight. And in his last fight against Kylo Phillips, he felt very awkward with the with the length parity parity. So he had to he had to come up with these blitzes, as you said, like some Blackovich SK SK blitzes. It was very awkward from him. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure you you want to do that against O'Malley. The other thing that concerns me here about Paiva is that um, coming from flyweight, 
he used to be the the longer taller fighter and here O'Malley is going to be like considerably yeah, uh, taller o and way longer. O O'Malley is a big bantamweight all things considered. That's something that isn't emphasized enough. Yeah, Ampaiva um, did not look like a very big one against Phillips. I mean, Phillips looked bigger than him. Not taller, yeah. but clearly the heavier of the two. Yeah, so I, I can kind of see Paiva making some things uncomfortable for O'Malley here, but yeah, O'Malley can kind of crack and like has a good read of accuracy. So unless Paiva is able to make this uncomfortable for him, um, yeah, the, really like if Paiva commits, if Paiva commits to pressure and kicks the legs, I mean he can he can do the what Moutinho did to make O'Malley uh, uncomfortable, but actually have success with it because Moutinho didn't do much with it. Uh, Paiva actually has the hands to to hit O'Malley when going mm -hmm. backwards. The thing yeah, is that O'Malley likes space and likes like fighting from the outside, but he does not like pressure at all. Yeah, Paiva not really a pressure fighter, but he can push forward if he needs to, and I hope he does so from the from the early going. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I think it's a bit too much to ask from Paiva to fight out of style against mm -hmm. a bigger guy. Um, O'Malley yeah. is going to hit him super hard a lot. The thing with Paiva is that, as he showed in the in the Phillips fight, um, he's super tough, he's hard to finish, and he can fight very well tired. And that's one thing that O'Malley, I'm not convinced he can do well. Yeah. So this might get more competitive as it goes on if Paiva survives. Yeah, I'd... Yeah, I think... I think if Paiva survives, he probably has the, like the third round in the back, but I I don't think he will get enough done to to put mm -hmm. O'Malley away. Yeah. So yeah, I think O'Malley by decision is a good bet. Um, yeah, I'm also picking O'Malley by decision. I mean, Paiva is tough and he's more crafty than the usual guy that O'Malley puts out with one punch. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, okay. If it goes to the ground, it can get interesting too because. I mean, O'Malley has some anti-wrestling and anti-grappling tricks, but I'm not convinced he's a very solid grappler. Mm -hmm. um, Paiva, Paiva actually very solid. Yeah, and decent with transitions. That might be a problem, too, for O'Malley yeah. here, because that's kind of an untested area for him. So Yeah, I think yeah, uh, it, I think the main thing is that Paiva will be very, very not cool with being a smaller guy, but, but the margin that he's going to find himself in. Because O'Malley, as, as we said, might not be the, the heaviest guy at, at 135, but he's huge in the in in dimension when it comes to dimensions. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think we have a good read on this fight. Um it, it'll probably be competitive more as it goes on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll probably it'll probably get better for Piper the longer it goes on, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure it, it will be enough to to win the mm -hmm. decision. Yeah. All right. Uh, next fight is a flyweight bout where Cody Garbrandt um, is making his debut against Kaikara France. And um, his flyweight debut, yeah. Yeah. So I think, barring the obvious question of weight cut and all that and whatnot, I think personally for me, I think this is a hard fight for Kara France. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that Kara uh, France um, likes the pocket, but. He relies a lot on like landing like counters in the pocket. He's not like a guy that will get like a good angle to enter it. He just mm -hmm. banks it out and trusts like his head movement and his counters to win in the pocket. And 
that's like exactly the thing that you don't want to do against Cody Garbrandt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Car France, like you can tell he's a decent technician, but he's still pretty linear or and especially can be caught on counters on entry like Paiva and like caught him Royval dropped him a few times like sorry once and like caught him consistently with that if those two guys are going to catch you then Cody Garbrandt is going to catch you you especially since Cody Garbrandt is as insane hand speed and can crack and he he still has insane hand speed he showed against Font Mm -hmm. and even yeah the thing that concerns me about Garvan, other than the weight cut, obviously, is that um, this outfighter thing that he did, he did against Font, I'm not sure fits him very well. Him, if Garvan wants to win this one, he would be well advised to keep his ground and just exchange on his terms. Um, if he keeps like circling on the outside and, and shying away from exchanges, he probably get tired and will give uh, Cara France the, the momentum he needs to put stuff together. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't really get Cody 100%, but I feel like my read on him is often the more you feed him or can work, especially behind a jab, like the more it can dull his triggers on the counter. But he's still, like, way smarter than he looks at, like, shutting down one-layer exchanges, I think, via Sun South fight. And, like, lesser pocket players like Cruz are good examples of that. His wrestling also catches people off guard big time. So yeah. I, I'm i a little tentative for Car France here. Um, I feel like if Garbrandt retains a lot of the attributes he has at Bandmate, he'll probably knock him out, is my feeling, in the first or second. Yeah, um, I think I think Cody can win a decision here. I'm liking his chances of just having bigger moments overall. Maybe not mm -hmm. enough to put uh, France away. Uh, the thing that that favors Garbrandt in this fight is that uh, Kaikaro France he, here is listed with having like a bit of a longer reach. But if we're honest, he'll have to get into Cody's range to exchange, and that's like exactly what he needs to win. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm not sure what, uh, I think the margin for errors for France are smaller here. Like uh, France can crack for sure, but I think uh, Garvan being shiny is a bit overstated. I mean, Font hit him with everything over five rounds and didn't put him away. I'm, sh I'm sure he'll be fine banging it out with a flyweight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what Garbrandt will look like. I, I feel like this is a hard fight for me to pick Car France. So. I know you'll take Garbrandt by decision. I'll take a risk and say Garbrandt knocks him out in a second. Okay, that's cool. All right. So moving on to to the last fight that is not a title fight. It's welterweight. It's Jeff Neal versus Santiago Bonsinibio. So go ahead, Dan. Um, Jeff Neal isn't really my strong suit to kind of get in. I don't really get pawns either, besides seeing some people really convinced pawns would be the weird nightmare matchup for Usman, which is insane to me. <laughs> yeah. But um, the thing about pawns and Nibio is, like, you see he's consistent with pressure and, like, attacking with kicks and working behind his jab to create entries. The thing is, he doesn't mess with rhythm a lot, and he's very front foot heavy heavy so often it means his offense is also his best defense that's kind of how like the leech got to him it's yeah. kind of how like the biza fight was so tricky for him 
I mean, although he beat Magni, Magni is also Magni. Yeah, the thing. So with, you know, the thing about the Magni matchup tells you that the thing, the best quality about Ponsonibio is that if he finds something that works, he'll go for it. And, yeah, same I mean, with Baeza. It sounds, it sounds obviously, it sounds obvious, but trust me, a lot of fighters don't do this. Ponsonibio is one of the guys that will will find success with one thing and. We go for it over and over again and figure yeah, out new ways to attack that. that yeah, he's an, he's an opportunist. So like with Baiza, he realized his jab was working really well. So almost all of his offense as the fight went on came behind that jab. Yeah, and then he layered the like kicks on top of the jab and and mm-hmm. it was like that. And then he found counters when when Baeza was trying to answer the jab. So it, it's it's good stuff. Like Ponsinibio doesn't start with a very very wide uh, range of tools but the thing is that he can layer what he knows he can do and he can layer that very well when he finds success um neil on the other hand it's like your classic like southpaw bully that uses like southpaw tactics to to bully orthodox fighters um he's very good with the double attack the left straight and the left high kick especially not much of a body kicker but but yeah i mean if you if you fight Neil like in neutral space and in the middle of the cage, he's a lot of trouble because he fights hands very well, and as I said, he has the the double attack. Yeah, I so think that, ne- that could be trouble for Ponsinibi early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's weird to call. I think it'll be pretty competitive. Like um, I I like Neil's setups a lot when he really gets his rear hand and rear kick games going. Um, yeah, it's very the thing cool. is. The thing is, sometimes, like, it, it, he kind of, like, takes a while to get it going or, like, is really inconsistent. Like, he fell for the Magni hypnosis trap thing and for the clinch. But then again, Magni has clinch hypnosis powers. And also made one... zero adjustments against Wonder Boy. Yeah. And, very um, concerning. Yeah. And, you know, Pons is going to try, like, different things. And Neil... Neil might be better in like that first like layer or first gear, possibly. But you know, yeah. Pons as like the fight goes on, I mean, going to try I mean, more pa- things. Uh, Ponsinibio probably will have to go through the fire to get uh, to mm-hmm. get Neil uncomfortable because uh, Neil starts hot and he's dangerous. He does. But if Ponsinibio can like survive the early going and stay on Neil's face constantly, if he can get the jab going, especially because. Uh, Neil, as I said, as a southpaw bully, uh, not very used to getting his face <laughs> jabbed off. And also, Ponsinibio won't shy away from both leg kicks and jabs in an open stance matchup, and I think that that plays in his favor in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird fight to call, because like, you see how Neil can really give all the troubles in the world, but it's just a question of will he? But you also see like Pons being able to get back in this fight. And also, constantly. it's like is Neil is Neil having the right place? I mean, wasn't he arrested like last week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and nah, I'm gonna keep that joke to myself. It's not a good one. Um, yeah, I I feel like um, this one's hard to call. I really don't know who to pick. I think that's a sign that it's a good matchup on paper. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the odds have them even. Nah, I pretty much agree with that. Yeah, I'm so, just taking. I'm just taking a hunch and picking Ponsonibio by decision on this one. I'll t- I'll I'll go the opposite direction. Okay. Then, just to be fair, I'll take Neil. But yeah, I think this is. I I think Pons, if he survives that early going, has the better shot. But yeah, this is this is a hard one. 
but if he survives that's kind of a big gift so yeah it's so also yeah. Neil, Neil still builds up a bit of a lead because of that but who knows yeah maybe maybe yeah. maybe Bonsignivio wins the third but that's not enough you never know yeah who knows? I, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I yeah, think we've covered it. It's not the most relevant fight, but it's a very interesting one for sure. Mm-hmm. So, title fights. Um, Amanda Nunes is is she? I I've lost track of the narrative. This one's for her bantamweight belt against Juliana Pena, and um. How would I describe Pena's game? Well, I'm going to reiterate how I described it exactly how I said to Pena in our DMs like four nights ago. I watched Pena, and I saw that she pressured behind a really static high guard with the worst half steps I've ever seen and constant like pressure, but really static pressure. And the only word that stood out to me was the turtle. So... And it's funny because she's not like like slow as a as an athlete, but no, she fights she fights in that way. Um, I I'm very confused what her game is because it's like you'll see inconsistent feints with the half steps and level changes, but then she'll just stop and then like clinch time and then yeah, like she, gets into a 50 50. She, she you can tell she has some good ideas and then drops all of that and just goes for either like a desperate clinch or a bad takedown attempt um she's very physical on the clinch mm-hmm. um the, the, pro- the, pro- the problem the problem yeah is that the cardio is not there to fight in that like style of in a desperate yeah. style for a whole fight we've seen her getting tired before yeah and uh, it's like nunez doesn't really have great cardio herself but it's like Nunez can crack and she's extremely physical and Pena kind of relies upon that physicality so yeah Pena is also very physical and if they both get tired it might be it might get interesting I mean Pena has some some attributes to make Nunez uncomfortable but can you really bank on that I'm not sure yeah Nunez is (laughs) like Nunez isn't a tremendous striker herself but like she still has a lot of like I mean, in this, in this matchup, she is a tremendous striker next to Pena. I mean, okay, Pena, fine, yeah. Pena, can, Pena probably can crack. I mean, she's I was trying. I was trying to be nice after calling her a turtle pressure, but, you know. Um, I mean, Pena's a good athlete, and, and you never know. Sometimes sometimes fighting a, a fellow good athlete can make things weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the last time we saw Amanda, like, Against a comparable athlete, it was against Holly Holm, and she kicked her, she kicked her in the head. <laughs> so maybe Amanda doesn't mind fighting other yeah. athletic fighters. Yeah, and I mean, she kind of nuked Cyborg, and Cyborg's kind of an unheralded athlete herself. Yeah. So who knows? Um, yeah, I feel like this is kind of a no-brainer for me. I don't really know what Pena's route is here, to be honest, based on footage. So I mean. I feel like- I mean, we still we still don't know how Nunez looks off her back. Uh, the the takedown defense has looked pretty solid, I'd say. But may, but if Pena can get somehow a takedown, maybe he can she can uh, rough Amanda from top position. I mean, she's mm-hmm. very physical and has good ground and pound. 
she can maintain good top position. Um, so yeah, and I'm not expecting like Nunez to pull off like an armbar off your back or anything. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if we go way back, the last time we saw like Nunez like get beat up, it was by Katsingano from top position. Uh, Peña probably can't do the same, but it was a very different Nunez, if we're honest. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, it's not impossible for Peña to win, but it's, it's very dumb to. Call. It's very dumb to expect her to win here. Hard one but, to call, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's then the clear, the logic decision is to pick Nunez. I'm picking Nunez by submission round two, probably after a knockdown. Yeah, yeah I'll t- I'll take Nunez by knockout in the so, opening two rounds. Yeah, let's move on to the main event. So to top it off, we have a hell of a main event between, well, two of the most entertaining, violent, amazing fighters in the sport. Uh, Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier for the UFC lightweight 155 pound title. And um, on paper, this fight is just, it, it's can't miss stuff, really. Um, it's just a question, really, of how it's going to go is where it gets really complicated. So, um, and, and there's frankly almost too much to kind of cover, I think. Yeah, that's. Let's try not to go crazy with all the possibilities because really this fight can go a ton of ways. I mean, an early an early knockout both ways is very possible. Early submission both ways. More likely for Oliveira, but also for Poirier. So it's this this one is crazy. I mean, if we thought if you if you thought the Chandler versus Oli was a crazy fight, expect more of that on this one, I think. Yeah, this one's more of a chaos kind of matchup in terms of like predictions because it's like th- there's so many like more layers to it, I think. Yeah. Like it, it, because it feels like there's like distinct like there isn't, I, I think, too big a gaps in like certain areas between them. Um, whereas like with Chandler Oliver, like you could tell like there were some even kind of areas, but enough where like you could see a really competitive fight. This one is like you can see a competitive fight, but you also see a fight that could end in like a second. Yeah, it can it can all change like in the blink of an eye both ways. So I think starting with um where I, I think these two are at is a good place to start. So I think the thing to talk about is um kind of starting out like how these two should approach this fight is the big key so i think the gist of it from the very opening is um dustin poirier is mma's like one of his the premier pocket boxers that dude is a motherfucker on the feet you do not want to fight him unless you can like straight up compete with him there and very few can because Oliveira might be one of the guys that can. So Oliveira is very good on the feet. Um, and, and there's a lot of things he does well. But the thing is, once you get into longer striking changes with Dustin Poirier, you have to look out. Yeah. The thing the thing that um first well for Oliveira is that if he pressures and Dustin consists that pressure, he can just pretty much avoid prolonged exchanges and dictate when exchanges happen. So if Oliveira takes the front foot and Dustin just lets him, um, 
I think Olivera has a very good shot of yes of just landing big on Dustin and Dustin not being able to set up his counters. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that's concerning for Dustin is that if someone has to avoid one thing at all costs in this fight, is Dustin cannot get taken down, especially early, by Olivera, and I'm not and I'm not sure any other part of the game at all it's as dangerous for Oli as being on the bottom is for Dustin so that's mm-hmm. concerning for him yeah it's um it, it's like Oliveira's aggressiveness has really refined itself a lot more behind his kicking game and counter punching and like he'll, and the biggest thing of all is like his body lock takedown because the thing that's really like not said enough about Oliveira is how freakishly strong he is like yeah incredibly think, strong like Tony Ferguson is a pretty strong fighter. That that part isn't emphasized enough. And Oliveira just bullied him, yeah, like to a completely insane extent. And the the thing is, Oliveira will set his his body lock with like his mix up. So it's like he'll read an opponent's entry, slip, or like go downstairs and like land counters. Yeah. The other There's... thing that that first well for Oliveira is that um he can shoot into the clinch so he usually just like level changes into a, a lazy single leg takedown and just grabs the clinch from there and that's very smart here because Dustin not the best at defending shots but Dustin mm-hmm. very strong himself in the clinch that's good for him but the thing is that mm-hmm. if Olivera gets like a strong double underhooks you're going for a ride no matter who you are yeah the clinch is an interesting question if wrestling changes don't happen because like of how both guys operate. Oliveira likes to like frame out and then get the collar ties and kind of like hit you with it. And yeah, then if, kind of if they find themselves in 50 50, it's interesting. If Oliveira gets double unders, um, he probably get Dustin down. Yeah, but if it it gets into like grip to grip, like Dustin might honestly hurt him really bad because yeah, because flurries. Yeah, Dustin. Dustin is, is is crafty on the clinch. He can find the the mm-hmm. elbows. Um, he can hit you on transitions. Those crazy hammer fists he landed on Dan Hooker. Yeah, so I, I think um, Oliveira's game on the front foot, if he has to engage to striking, might benefit itself from learning some of the things Hooker did, like behind the kicks, kind of the mix-ups. I mean, that's, to the lead. that's already his game, so... Yeah, just better, and but less like durable Terminator yeah, kind of quality. But yeah, I mean, Oliveira needs to kick a lot on this one, I think. Yes, um, front kicks and like, um, like leg kicks, especially, but like mixing them up to kind of like throw Poirier's posture off. The problem I think Oliveira is going to experience on the back foot is like, despite Poirier's defensive ring craft kind of being a problem, Poirier is kind of has a lot more answers on the back foot than most people give him credit for. Yeah, it's that's, that's, very good job, especially, but. Yeah, the lead hand, the jab, which like really fended Gaethje off. Yeah, uh, the check hook too. Uh, check hook, the counter straight left, and yeah, he has a lot. He has a lot to do that. The problem is if he finds himself against the cage, he loses a lot of the options, and Oliveira can can maintain control. Um, if Dustin is on the back foot but has a space behind him, that's better for him, I think. So mm-hmm. he should be, and, and Dustin has the tools to stay away from the cage. He has shown, shown before good pivots. He's, he has mechanical footwork to get there. It's, yeah, he overextends. There's some jank, but like he's very, very dangerous to stay in front of consistently unless like you control those exchanges. Yeah. Um, the thing that 
the thing that's problems for Oliveira in the coming from Dustin is that Oliveira has adopted the like very minimal defense. I mean, he's very good at it. He just like make very small slips, lean backs, and frames. The thing is that that works very well against most MMA guys because they just attack with the single combination. Yeah, and but if you Poirier, can step in, Poirier can go forward with five, six punches, and I'm not yeah, sure if he can avoid all of those. Yeah, like the moments like where Chandler got by that frame and like hit him with combinations, that's a concern. If Dustin Poirier, can yeah, because do it. if Dustin if Dustin hits you there, he's not going to hit you with one punch. He's going to hit you like with three. He's go. He'll touch his way in. He'll shift into like southpaw and jab his way in. Like he's going to keep touching you and keep attacking you. So it's like Oliveira might be like maybe a slightly better starter than Poirier here, but Oliveira is like has his own defensive problems and it's like i think for Oliveira, it's actually worse for him to be put on the back for than it is for dustin yeah I'd the argue. other the other thing is that Oliveira might want to to use the striking to set up takedowns early because um he can crack but dustin is not very easy to crack in the early going anymore i mean he will land good shots but not enough to put him away um if Oliveira wants to win early he has to like put some good hands on Dustin that's very, that he can easily do, but he needs to transform that into takedowns. I'm not sure he can win this one entirely on the feet. He can win, he can win this one on the feet if he establishes the takedown threat first. Yeah, he's going to need to pair those like dips to body shots to like collar ties to the body lock to get Poirier down. Like Poirier is going to like try to hand fight and if I were Oliver, I'd like draw that and punish him with kicks like Hooker did. Um, like you can also see like Poirier's kicking game because Poirier is an enthusiastic kicker, but he's not a great kicker. Olivera well, has been he shown very hard. Yeah, he does. But it's like um, Olivera constantly punished Tony's kicks by like catching them to push Poirier him against yeah. the fence. And I and can if, see him doing that to Dustin. And if Dustin gets taken down off kicks, that's very bad news yeah. for him. Yeah, and it's like, it's also like take a page from Eddie Alvarez's book and like when Poirier steps in, like double leg him. So like there, there are some little tricks Oliveira showed like against Tamer, like although Tamer caught him on entry consistently, which is a worrying thing for him yeah. against Dustin Poirier. Tamer, like he showed that he could draw the hand fight or counters and then like step in behind those knees. And Tamer also a southpaw, but um, not as good mechanically as a boxer as Dustin is. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's um, yeah. I I think that this is kind of going to be a fight that's going to be decided upon like starts early and how quickly either guy responds to the start. And if it isn't decided by that, then the transitions might be where it gets. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty really- sure. I'm pretty sure Oliveira will go, will will get going first. So I think the, I think it's on Dustin to react to that accordingly. Yeah. If yeah, he I gets think taken, the, the, taken down early, I think Oliveira can can get an out of out of him to win the fight. Even yeah, if and it's I not think higher. I think Dustin's a better grappler than most people give him credit for. I mean, it's just Dustin, Oliveira. Yeah, Dustin can hang on the grappling for sure. It it depends on. It depends on the terms that the grappling happens. Mm-hmm. Because we, like, saw, we saw Chandler like sit on top of Oliveira and punishing with one pound. We've seen you know, Felder saw, survive uh, yeah. on the bottom. So, yeah. yeah, and Poirier, like, 
had like a pretty crazy grappling match with Pettis. And although Pettis is a different grappler than Oliver, he's still pretty dangerous. Yeah. And it's also like we've seen Poirier at the very least like be able to fend Khabib off enough that yeah. like you can tell he's competent in wrestling and grappling exchanges. Yeah, and also like and also he's not when... some light he's not some lightweight condit, no, I think. No, so no, no. Now people people tend to think that, but Dustin Dustin has failings as a descent as a defensive wrestling, and most of the time it's because of priorities, more of that a technical thing, because he's actually a very capable wrestler. Um the thing is that uh people kind of forget that Dustin lost the the Habib fight because he was like already frustrated and losing the fight, and he decided to start taking like bigger risks on that fight. And and that was the logical thing to do. I mean, he wasn't going to win um, surviving on the ground anymore. So I think it's it was smart uh, to take to take risks, even even though that got him finished at the end. But I think if he stays calm against Oliveira um, and takes every round as it comes, instead of of thinking, oh, I need to get up immediately, he can stay safe. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, if he tries a sloppy like get up uh, to get to his feet, um, and Oliver is going to take that net though. Yeah, I think like this is a really really scary fight that I think comes down to margins for both guys really, because it's like both guys are also like the moment these two guys get a chance, they will take it, and they are like two of the most terrifying finishers in the sport. Like period. Yeah. Like they they're they're up there, so it's like the moment they get that chance, they are going to push for it. So it'll be really, really scary to see like who gets that first. And if the other guy can survive it, if this fight goes deep, it's unless Oliveira can get like, I worry a little bit about gas tanks here for yeah, Oliveira. I think, if it, I think if Dustin gets going, Oliveira will will need a knockdown or a takedown. Yeah. I don't think I don't th- I, I don't think he will regain momentum once it's it's solid solidly established on Dustin's corner. Yeah, it's um yeah, Oliveira I think like will struggle with a pace that he can't control. Whereas like Poirier is still like arguably the best fight tired fighter in MMA. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we all thought Justin was that fighter, and then Dustin, while being tired, beat Justin in there. So, yeah, so it's um, yeah, th- th- this is so hard to call. It's ridiculous. It just comes down to margins. I think. I think, I- I'll be very honest here. I think the the margins are smaller for Dustin. Um, I think Dustin mm-hmm. has a very good shot of winning late, but getting late seems a bit hard for me yeah i think yeah that's kind of how i felt the more footage i watched like um for all the improvements i've seen charles make and for all the openings i see that he can get it's still like i still see it possible that poirier can survive those moments way easier than charles can survive the moments poirier yeah the thing that the thing that um we we haven't seen like olivera like overcome this kind of matchup even in in this late run like i mean there's tony that you can argue has like a very good heart and, and a great gas tank but he fell apart on that fight like olivera didn't have to face any kind of any kind of adversity really on that fight um we see yeah, these two olivera overcome small small moments of of uh of adversity in the Timor and the and the Chandler fight, 
but those were fires that were themselves in the in the verge of breaking. If Dustin can stay calm, um, it gets very rough for Oli. I think. Yeah, these two, um, these two definitely don't quit. Like that, that's always been a misconception. I think both of them have always lost composure, but it's like Dustin especially has like built himself into getting through fights that require his composure. And yeah, so, I mean the, the composure that Dustin showed in the in the Hooker and the McGregor one fight, it's it's some next next level shit. I mean, he wasn't shook one bit for everything that was happening. He was he was pretty sure he was going to turn it around. He was making his reads, and the cardio was incredible, like unbelievable. Yeah. So there, there's still a lot to like talk about with this fight, but it's like I think we've covered the gist of it. Um, it's just none of us really know what's going to happen, but that's, that's, that's why this is one of the it. best fights. Yeah. Sport. yeah, it's it's an awesome fight. It's can't miss. And I, I don't really know who's going to win. Um, I don't know who's going to win. I think uh, I put it like this. I mean, um, I think the most logical for what, for what we've been talking about, I think Oliveira early, it's maybe a bit higher of probability, but I'm still taking the chance with Dustin with a knockout on the third round. But that's just me. I mean, you know, guys, I'm a huge Dustin fight, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking with the heart on this one. Yeah, I um, I I'm I'm still 50-50, Honestly, I favor um, I, I I'm gonna pick uh, um, I, I'll I'll take the opposite end of the spectrum and take Oliveira, but like, it's just. It's too hard to call. Yeah, it's very hard. It's yeah, a great but, fight, um, though. Do not miss one for for anything. Yeah, it's it's the fight of the card, and it's like a g- perfect way to end of the year. Really, I do, I I at the very least just know both of them put on a good showing. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, they deserve sure. it. They're both too good. Yeah, I I just hope it's not like a first minute knockout or something. I just yeah. want this to to play out for a bit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I, I don't have anything else left to say. It's just, it, it's a good card overall. Yeah, let's let's highlight some fights, I think. Um, from bottom Randy, to top. Uh, Randy fights. Costa, Tony Kelly. Yeah, that should be the, that should be a good one. Um, Alex, Alex Perez, Perez versus Schnell. Schnell. Yeah, that one. Um, Munoz Cruz. Yeah, Munoz Cruz, do not miss one. Um, Emmett Ige. And O'Malley, O'Malley Pivot as well. Yeah, Neil Pons might be a little interesting and potentially action packed. And Kai Cara France and Cody Garbrandt will for sure be action packed. Yeah, but Oliver Pori is the fight that we yeah. watch on this. I mean, card. it's obviously the best fight between the best fighters. But yeah, I, I think we've covered it. I've got nothing else to say. Um, hope you've all enjoyed these pods. Um, Apologies for any lackluster research, but I'm not paid enough. We'll we'll keep doing this next year, so watch yeah. out for full well, previews. Hey man, I've got nothing else to say, so we'll see you all in hell or heaven. Whatever. Purgatory.